Leptoist Recap. I'm Britt. I'm Tim. And today, in the midst of the world crumbling before our eyes, we are <laughs> recapping Married at First Sight, Season 14, Episode 8. We need reality TV and the recaps that come with them more than we ever have before, one could argue. Indubitably. <laughs> What's the name of this episode, babe? Striking a balance. Okay, we are just going to jump right in. We were totally thrown off. I mean, obviously we had a little bit of a preview last week, but like we need to just all acknowledge that Noi and Steve have been our shoe-in couple from day one. They were the ones we didn't have to worry about. They were easy breezy. The compatibility was like nothing to even question. And here we are with probably the most to say about them this week. So let's just jump in. We obviously leave off last week with them having their Pastor Cal meeting and Noi getting emotional around the fact that he is not employed by a company, right? Yes. So this starts off very like finance, finances discussion. Yeah, because, well, I did think it was interesting. We got, like, we open with, she's clearly working from home at her little desk, and he's- Making an omelet. He's making food, and, like, he's making it clear, like, I am aware that, like, I am the only one not working for pay right now, and so I'm trying to really step up with all the other stuff, like cleaning and cooking, and- It's what you got to do. Yeah. It's what you got to do. I totally respected it. I was like, yeah, okay, you're getting with the program right away in light of his, you know, her noise sharing her feelings last week. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're going to get into Noodle Gate here, but it just seems like she, I don't know. I had a feeling like, was there like a fight that took place? Even before this? Even before this. Yeah. Like her energy was kind of throwing me a little bit. I know. Me too. Noi is just starting to like trip me out a little more because I'm realizing like maybe she's much more emotionally immature than we knew. Oh, oh, <laughs> but okay, she let's is. just start. Spoiler with, alert: she is. Yeah. So he brings up he brings up a conversation. This is like before. I mean, they're like planning what they want to have for the friends and family housewarming because like that was what everybody did this week, and. Then he moves into how he was a little caught off guard by how emotional she was about his job situation. And this is where I realized we had a word switch that makes a big difference. So we have been referring to him as unemployed. He refers to himself as self-employed. Those are two very different things. The point is Steve is not interested in being employed. It is a choice, right? And he keeps making reference to... Classic millennial. He's <laughs> he's choosing not to work, to develop himself, us. I will say, I still felt like he was being too broad here. And now I'm seeing like all these rumors online. So like, let's just... Right away when I hear self-employed a couple times, and then he makes reference to feeling like she doesn't believe in him. 
And that was where I was all of a sudden was like, oh, you see yourself as almost like an entrepreneur of sorts. You are talking in a way that sounds very confident and like sure of the opportunities. And so you're either a sociopath, like one of these, all the streamers are having, we're having a con man moment. Tinder right swindler. Now. Tinder swindler, Anna Delvey show. I just started another one on Netflix the other night when you went to bed. I can't remember what it's called, but it's British. Another con situation. Cons cons so, abound. Yeah. There's always like funny trends like this. And you're like, did you guys all talk? But anyway, there's, you're either a complete sociopath, like narcissist person, or you have a shit ton of savings and like money invested and you are so comfortable financially that... I mean, it's not even like literally later when it comes up, I know I'm skipping ahead, but when he's talking with the friends, when they do come over and he's talking with them one-on-one and they're saying, you know, I think we're just all concerned because like we never want Noi to end up in a situation where she's the primary breadwinner because that's a lot of pressure. And he's like, oh, that we would never get to that point. And I'm like, okay, this guy has money. He doesn't want to lead with that. People online are saying he's worth like, a few mil. I don't know where how, I haven't like dug into how people are getting this theory, but that he is worth millions and he basically hasn't wanted to lead with it because he wants to make sure that the person that he's with is not with him for that. But I'm like, this whole thing is stressing me out because we're getting enough information that I'm getting the vibe. Like he is much more confident financially than he let on originally. And he just wants to know that she has like blind faith and his ability to like move through the world with them and take care of them. And I'm like, bro, she doesn't know you yet. So she doesn't know the breakdown of like, no, you're not actually technically unemployed. You're self-employed and you're on fucking sabbatical right now because you absolutely can be and can still be the primary breadwinner with what you have on the side, you know? Yes, and this gets talked about in the after party with because Steve and also Chris are on after party. And Chris kind of explains he's in the same situation as Steve. Like, or was. Uh, was. Has the money to be able to do this. Here's my issue with it. And I, part of me respects where Steve is coming from and saying, if it is true that like, Dude's actually loaded. Mm-hmm. Part of me respects like, okay, you're not going to lead with that. You want to make sure that the person is in here for you, whatever. Noi has already told you that she loves you yeah. on your honeymoon. Yeah. Okay. You're already contractually married to one another. My whole thing with Steve all along is you have not explained Enough of what is going on. I know. And this does not, I mean, you don't have to go in and show her a bank statement, but, you know, he says He's like it's trying hard. to pull a Joe millionaire on her. Like, yeah. could you love me for love or money? It's like, guy, she has every right to at least want to know that you are financially comfortable enough to contribute equally in this partnership. Yeah. And you're not 
you're, you're talking around it so much and making it about believing in you. But like, are you getting into like, this is the kind of thing that she deserves to at least get a little more nitty gritty details. We're less than two weeks into this marriage. Okay. Exactly. Like, he goes, it's hard when the person you're with doesn't believe in you. Well, give them something to believe in. Exactly. Then. Like, <laughs> explain yourself more. Yeah. And then we can, like, I was getting annoyed with all this stuff that we're talking about now. And then we go to after party and we see some stuff on the online that like, maybe he has this house that's worth X amount of millions of dollars. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If this is true, now I'm even more annoyed because why are we even talking about this finance right. stuff? Why is annoy, Why is, does Noy have to be um, He's like pissed and her. left in the dark about this stuff if it's actually not an issue? Right. Like, it's, I'm even more annoyed now. All she wants to know is that you regularly get paid because she has never done the freelance self-employment kind of thing. And like we talked about last week, for people that are not, have never lived that way, and especially who have all of this baggage around like money and like the fear of suddenly not having it and all that, you can see how in the beginning it is an adjustment to get used to this new way. Like you don't count on the same amount of money coming in on the same day every two weeks. And yet clearly Steve with Steve's work and then like the implications and after party. I mean, he made it clear he had plenty of savings. And then Chris was like, um, do you even know how much sales engineers make? Like he was kind of implying like he is a tech guy in a tech world in Boston. Like, this guy makes a lot of money. Like everyone should chill. And I'm like, great, fair. But if Noi doesn't know how all that, like you don't know until you know. And so Steve needs to be like assuaging her fears by like explaining why she doesn't need to be afraid. Other yeah. than just believe in me after knowing me for two weeks. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but she's allowed to still be confused by that. Because so, we're confused by it too, Steven. Yeah, so it's interesting because I get now I feel like, okay, he's more like he wants to see like is the person that I'm with, does she value me for more than that? Like I can tell that he's had like some sort of philosophical like he's had the privilege obviously because of his job to have like a philosophical shift over like what is my value what do I want? What role do I want work to play in my life moving forward? A lot of people had mm, come to Jesus moments like that over the pandemic. And so I think he's more looking like, does she get it? Is she on that wavelength with me? Let me find that out first before I tell her that I'm a millionaire. And I'm like, guy, if she's never had the privilege to even explore this philosophy you're talking about, you gotta like bring her on board with you. And everything that she's shown you since you've gotten married is that she's in love with you and totally into you. Yeah. So that yeah, being so said, that's, that's a whole thing. That's that, a thing. But we <laughs> that being said, for the remainder of this episode, I am firmly ensconced in Steve's camp. Ensconced. Ens ens ensconced yes that's what i said i said ensconced who can be sure um, <laughs> well, wait first the friends come over do we have anything to say about that oh i don't know do you have anything to say about the friends coming over i mean i just thought it was pretty natural everybody seemed like really 
equally cool and like they got along and like his friends definitely vouched for him to Noi, you know, like he has a really, but okay. I find it. What do you think of like her conclusion she drew from this? So for me, the friends are like, oh, he has a huge network. Like there is like, we have zero concerns about like him finding a place to land when this is all over. Like he's going to be fine. Don't you worry. And then she goes into the interview and basically says that hearing that makes her more insecure because she thinks like what kind of person has access to jobs like this and just won't get one. Like what's wrong with him and why is he wasting those contacts? And that made me look at her sideways a bit. I was like, are you serious? They were tough. But again, like, I just think she does not, he's got to bring her up to speed on why he believes and thinks the way he does around this. Yeah, I agree. And I I think that until you have like the freedom and privilege for even in a, even a moment in your life, to explore those things, you do look at it very rigidly in black and white. Like, you know, this is what it means to be a responsible person. You work, you get a paycheck every two weeks. That's part of who I am, et cetera, you know? But I just thought that was an interesting conclusion for her to draw after that. I was like, I would think you'd walk away from that feeling pretty good. That like in a month when the show is done filming, he will probably have a job really fast, you know? Yeah. And yeah, he does reiterate to her friends that he feels like a little concerned that like she doesn't believe in him. But yeah, we pretty much explored all of that. Then they're gone and we have Noodlegate. The great noodle debacle of 2022. It's oh not 100% clear. It's so bizarre. What act, how this act actually plays out. In you ter- want me to tell you what I think? Because yeah, it's a little convoluted. Yeah, I mean, we know the aftermath, but the the actual the how these no- noodles yes. get cooked, okay. how, at what degree, at what okay. temperature, for how long, what is going on? <laughs> so my understanding is that this night was going to be the first time that Noi had made him dinner because he has been really taking care of her while she's been working. And so she wants to make him dinner. Well, she eats, so she's making some sort of noodle dish. Pasta and of sorts. she does gluten-free noodles and he doesn't. So she's got them on separately. This is where it gets a little weird. I feel like Steve, Steve sort of gets the vibe when he comes in to check things out. It's almost like what it appears over camera is that like she's almost, it's like easy to forget that she was supposed to be making a meal for them both. It feels like she threw his noodles in and was like, oh, yeah, well, mine are done. And, like, you can check on your stuff. Like, that'll be yours. Mm -hmm. Like, that's almost what it seems like. Bottom line, he comes in, realizes that his are overcooking. And he's being a little bitchy about it. Like, oh, it's overcooked. And she's pissed because she's like, okay, well, I'm gluten-free, so, like, I couldn't try them. Like, sorry. And that's just literally what sets her off. He's frustrated because he feels like, I thought you were supposed to be making me dinner, and it seems like you don't really give a fuck about my portion of the dinner. Like, I've been making you meals all week. You say you're going to make me mine. I walk in, and 
mine are all mushy and it seems like you don't really care. And I'm sorry, if you're just making pasta, like, can we put a little attention to detail here? Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm not, I'm not being like Olajuwon over here. Yeah. But like, if that is your grand meal that you're preparing, let's be sure that we're like doing it right here and not just <laughs> like, come on. Come on, Noy. Bottom line, if I was her, I'd probably be a little annoyed with getting any attitude in the kitchen if in my mind I'm trying my best and you're coming over here to shit on the quality of the noodle. I would be annoyed, but certainly not freaking. And I think that he like, if I was her, I'd be like, back off. Like I said, I was making dinner. Like, why are you coming and being a hawk over it? And you know what? If it's not perfect, it's kind of rude for you to like, I like, I get that. I do personally, but that's fair. I would be vaguely irritated and probably say something like, um, I'm making you dinner and you're kind of being a butt about it. And that's lame. Like, period. That's it. Yeah. The thing is, it didn't really look like she was preparing know, his dinner. That's the thing. It almost like I, I can't remember the footage, but it almost seemed like she got her thing and that's all moved away on. from. But I think in her mind, gluten free noodles are done sooner than regular noodles. They are. So she thought like, oh, those will keep going while I'm doing whatever I'm doing over here. And she just forgot about his noodles. She just dropped the ball. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. But it was it truly was this teeny ass moment of two people irritated with each other. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. And also, you know what it's like. We both do when someone is, yes, doing the kind thing of making you dinner. But you're to the point where you're fucking hangry. And you get some attitude because you're so hungry that you're being a brat. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> That's my identity. I'm not going to say anything if that you make me pasta and I know you're hangry and the noodles are al dente and I didn't want al dente. <laughs> Just going to eat them. Just yeah. shut your mouth. Eat the damn noodles. That's yeah. a key to a happy marriage. Yeah, for sure. Unless you've got like a repeat crisis coming up or something, you know? Yeah. But anyway, I just, I saw this as like, so one of those scenarios that happens in day-to-day -day life that like, just is what it is. Like you have your little annoyed moment. You might say like your little annoying thing, you know? So he kind of like, <laughs> the funny part is he says his little irritation piece and then he like, lightly gives he gives her like a little butt tap and then like sort of huffs out of the room which is funny anyway so he goes and sits down he has no clue that she is mentally go gone zero to hero and is livid and feels like attacked by his sassy little hangry moment over his mushy noodles and suddenly he looks up, she's grabbing sushi and has a bag in her hand. Sushi the dog, not takeout, not like real sushi. Yeah. And she says, fuck this and leaves. Excuse me. Like, how did we get here? Again, very deeply, deeply confused. Feel like there has to be more that actually took place at the stovetop. But this is just a case of two people 
that were irritated with each other. And like, again, sure, Steve, you could have kept your mouth shut, like kind of a bitchy move, but also you were hangry. It wasn't your best moment. She could have like literally in five seconds being like, honestly, I think that's kind of rude. I'm making you dinner. Sorry, it might not be perfect. And then he'd be like, oh, gosh, sorry. Wasn't trying to make you feel that way. So no, no. Kissy, kissy. Moving the fuck on. This interaction is the furthest from the furthest from I'm grabbing my dog, leaving no. and not coming back. Not tonight. not answering you for 24 hours, sub posting you on the Internet tomorrow, still ignoring your text and phone calls, not even telling him where you're staying. This the furthest it's from crazy. It's I'm insane. Sorry. It, it, it's, I don't know how we get here. So then we find out that he's been really concerned. He's been calling and texting her ever since she left. Wants to know she's safe. Wants to know where she's staying. Wants to know if they can talk. She's completely ignoring him. Cannot believe. I was like shocked that she didn't come back that night. She then comes back the next day in the afternoon. And she's got a weird vibe to her, you know, and she clearly like really thinks she's in the right here. Well, I'm I'm like, what? Okay, so the thing that threw me the most from this, we'll talk about the social media in the sec, but he goes, so like, are you ready to talk? And she goes, she's just like, I don't know. I don't want to say anything I can't take back. I'm like, what could you possibly say that you can't take back I know. to your uh, concerned husband who, like, what are you talking about? And the fact that she says, I don't know. I was like, bitch, you what is had going 24 on? full hours to sit with Noodlegate and you don't know if you're ready to talk? I'm like, I, I was like, like are have you, you ever had a real crisis in a relationship ever? Because this isn't it. I mean, you made it one. You made it one by disappearing. I mean, just, just. So the plot thickens and he's he's just sitting there and he's like, you can't just leave me hanging like that. Like, it's not really fair. And then, you know, that you posted this thing on social media where, like, you didn't directly call out my name, but it was pretty clear that that was directed at me. And she was like, well, yeah. And then he was like, okay, well, you know how my friends and family follow you on Instagram now? Like, do you think that's fair when you haven't even spoken to me about what you're feeling yet? And now you're putting that out into the world. Now I have to navigate getting texts and calls, you know, of people checking in, wondering what's going on. And you and I haven't even talked about it yet. She turned from 33 into a teenager. Literally 16. In 12 hours. And I'm going to read the quote right now. In pink and purple. Learning to say, nah, this just isn't good enough will enhance your life greatly. You're allowed to say, this is simply not enough for me. You're allowed to have a vision for your self, your life, your relationships, and refuse to settle for anything less. Say no often. Heart, heart, heart. And okay, you Noi, know- you have taken in, like Insta therapy and twisted it into something that I don't, like, absolutely not. This is not, none of this is right. Like, none of this, this you know what I'm saying? Oh, a thousand Just percent. completely skewing weird messaging about boundaries and 
um, having ex- like dignity and, and expectations for like what you deserve. Like, are you kidding me? You're talking about Steve? And you know what? Steve is allowed to say nah to eating your shitty overcooked noodles. Exactly. I mean, again, we have all the opinions about it earlier that we said, but like if her feelings are hurt by him making his little bitchy comment about his mushy noodles, then that's her right and also responsibility to say something. Insane. I was floored. I mean- It was like a MySpace status update. Oh, it was so bad. Steve, in this point, okay, bitchy comments aside, night before about the noodles, whatever. From the next day on, Steve's pitching a perfect game. Oh, yeah. He's throwing heat. I am 1,000%. Like, he acknowledges, I understand, like, I understand how I kind of, like, came off as mean and how I could have hurt your feelings. I'm sorry for that. However, this is not appropriate. And, like, drops the hammer. I was just, like... I I loved it. Oh, Steve was was amazing. This is what what has happened. This is not healthy communication. And this is not going to work for me. He's like, it's just not fair if at the first sign of disagreement or frustration you don't even give me a chance to speak my piece to hear how you're feeling and why to have your back to say I'm sorry like you didn't even give me any of those opportunities and then you put some shit on the internet for everyone oh I would be so pissed and she basically I mean she just seems so juvenile but She then explains it was the first time she cooked for him. She felt very put off by him complaining. She then says she shuts down when she gets upset. She doesn't like to talk about things right away because she has to, like, take some time to process and figure out what she does want to say. And, like, I think she doesn't trust her own feelings, it sounds like. Like, she doesn't trust herself to – and clearly – 24 hours wasn't even enough time for her to really sift through like what was right and what wasn't. The point was you needed to have another a conversation with the other person involved in this scenario. That is what helps you figure out. Like we're not talking about Lindsay here who, yeah. you know, at the first sign of frustration says like unforgivable things. Like, come on, Noy. This is this was a conversation between two adults where this could have been squashed in 10 minutes. Well, he's also like, okay, I respect that. I can still give you space right. here. Like ask for it. Ask for or it. Say you need Don't it. just leave without saying a word and, and then ghost him for over 24. Like it's insane to me. I, I just like Like imagine if the genders were swapped. Everyone would imagine the worst case scenario about like where did he go and who did he sleep with and who but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like She could have been doing absolutely anything and it would have been completely fair for him to guess that because she totally left him hanging. Like, again, it would have been total if she needed space, if all of that is fine, but you need to be a grown up and you need to not leave people hanging who have made commitments to you and who you have made commitments to. And you need to, like, inform them of what is going on. Exactly. And this is the thing that confused me. She's 33 years old. Like this whole episode is childish it's completely childish yeah and i'm like whoa whoa like what is going on here like it's baffling to me it really is it's super weird it's totally a new side of her that we're seeing like clearly she's not comfortable with confrontation he he definitely as he's saying stuff 
he gets more in tune with like his anger for sure. He gets a little bit sharper and a little more like which in my opinion like, is oh, one thousand percent. I guess blah blah okay. blah. I told her how to cook pasta. I told you how to cook pasta, and that was the problem, you know. And it's like, okay, asshat, like pull back, pull back. No, I. But at that no. point, he had a right to be angry about yes. her leaving him. So he, I kind of get where he's coming from. I mean, think about this. I think he was relatively calm, considering totally. yes that she, she bounced, bounced for x amount of time. Yeah, that's just completely without not cool. letting him know anything about her whereabouts. Yeah, for sure. And she basically acknowledges that she shouldn't have talked about it in public, but like. Did she, did we get like a real apology for like, not that I remember him? No. I feel like we got left hanging a little bit with that whole situation. And then next thing we know, we're at the group bowling event and they're acting like everything's normal because they have to. But we never got to like, we never got to a resolution. So that must yeah. be coming next week. But the plot definitely freaking thickens. And, like, right now, I am side-eyeing Noi. Like, what is this? What is all of this? Like, I think you're being pretty immature and unfair to Steve. And Steve is really showing himself. Like, he's not perfect, but he's showing himself to be, like, a really stand-up guy who wants to do his part, who wants to contribute to this partnership, takes it really seriously. And... You just blew something so out of proportion and turned it into something that now is going to be a lot harder to come back from than him bitching about the mushy noodles. Yeah. Steve is the leader in the clubhouse for um, Tim's annual, which Mathis character would he like to hang out with the most? Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Steve's the guy. Um, essentially, I should have said this at the top. All the women this week suck. I'm sorry. Yeah. Call me a sexist, but like the women this week. Shut up. The women this week are it's equal opportunity. It is. Here. It is. And you, you know what? We talk a lot of shit on the guys, the guys yeah. sometimes, but this week, yeah. Goodness gracious. No, it's true. It's true. So speaking of other women with shitty behavior this week, let's get into Mark and Lindsay. Oof. So he meets up with his friend. Do you need to have your moment about his mitt? Well, okay, yeah. I'm very confused at first because Mark's left-handed, or at least throws left-handed. So that means that you put you'd put your glove on your right hand. Well, he has a left a glove for the left hand on his right hand, and his friend's using a catcher mitt. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Do these people know how to use any sort of baseball equipment? Turns out the friend must have must have been the friend's gloves. And I left the segment being impressed that Mark was able to put a left-handed glove on his right hand <laughs> and play catch with it. Mm -hmm. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. So I, I worked through a lot okay. in my head. There. Okay. And me sitting there like not caring less at all. Um, <laughs> but he's talking to his friend about where he's at with Linz. And he basically, it's just, he's like. It's more of last week. He's like, 
I'm having this hard time because on one hand, I'm seeing this like incredible caretaker side of her. Like apparently she's already called a doctor and made an appointment for his mom and like has all this concern around his mom's health. And like he says, like, I've never been with anyone who has been willing to step into my personal family stuff and help me this way. And it it feels so big. And he's also like, I feel so excited. I'll be like, we have this in common and this in common and this in common. Oh, God. And then there's another explosion. And he basically says, like, I feel like I never get time to fully catch feelings for her because every other, like, big moment, it's something. Like, things are good for a second. feels really good, but I don't trust it. And sure enough, there's an explosion. And then we get a, a some playback of... He's basically talking, his biggest issue is, like, how she gets in public with her Saying crassness and being, yeah. like, not really reading the room and, like, embarrassing him. And then he doesn't know what to do because, obviously, a lot of times this happens when she's drunk and she doesn't take feedback well. So then we see, like, some playback that we've never seen. And we see her on the boat during Never Have I I could not. She's like, never have I ever had a finger in my ass. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Like, I'm Lindsay. all for being, I'm all for like being yourself, but I also think read the room. Yes. You know, obviously. like maybe there's a crowd where that doesn't mind digits and butts talk, but. And we, we are that crowd to be clear, no matter what show you put on, on this podcast for our parents. We are okay. We're we talking about all of it. Okay, okay, but we're not leading conversations. No, with but we know how to read a room. Butt talk. <laughs> sure, but like I'm just saying, we have we we not a lot is off limits for us. Yes, yes we're not proofs. We know how to we're be able proofs, to tell like, when other people around us can or cannot handle the topic of conversation, and whether or not this is an appropriate time or place to have these kinds of conversations. So he's important you know, life skill. Yeah, Lindsay very important, it. very important. But Lindsay so he just is yet. talking about how torn he is. So, anyways, we go from that. We're already feeling like, oh god. I I mean, I hadn't heard him explicitly say that he was struggling to get feelings. I honestly thought that he got totally swept up in the whirlwind. I thought that like the honeymoon for him was still mostly positive in his mind. Maybe that's just me. I've fully fallen for like Lindsay's extreme feelings and thought that he was more closer to that than I feel like this episode made it clear to me. Like, no, he hasn't been able to get there and he, he's been trying, but it gets harder for him every day because yeah. of this. And then they host their friends and shark decor, shark balloons on shark the wall. Decor. Lindsay's a serious host. I didn't like, she's kind of a type A host. Okay. Like she had like the food, everything was meticulously planned out in advance. The food even had, it wasn't just like, this is my favorite thing or this will be easy or this will be good. It was like, even the meal was an activity for the group. She's one of those people that loves activities, right? And she likes everything planned. So we've got pizza. It's an activity. We're going to learn things about each other's personalities with our toppings and all this shit. She's got this whole breakdown. And then we've got this like 
intense game with many, many rules written out on a big white sheet of paper. And like, we're playing it like right away, like right when people get there. I was just like, wow, this is, this is intense. I didn't see this in like, not my kind of, no, it's not our kind of hang, hang. but, uh, okay. Yeah. Before we go any further, I need to give some pizza thoughts here. Mm. I was horrified, horrified at the way that this group tr- attempted to make pizza. I mean, <laughs> I consider, well, you know what? I'm a pizza snob. I'll eat it you from are. anywhere, but I am a snob when it comes to making your own pizza. Yeah, I have he been, eats Little Caesars, Hot and Ready's, and Domino's, so don't. No, that's what I'm saying. I'll yeah. eat any pizza, Yeah, um, but- if you're gonna claim it, to make, like, if that it was hard to watch, as someone who has made their fair share of backyard pizza before, th- th- there was no. It does not take that long to like look online about how to roll out dough or how to toss dough, and these people are just pulling clumps of it. There's holes everywhere. <laughs> it's misshapen. They're slamming it with their hands. <laughs> No, like finesse. No finesse. No respecting the consistency of the yeast and the <laughs> dough. We're not flouring surfaces. I mean, I, they weren't even doing. Here's the thing: you do not need to toss the pizza in the air like you think that you think you do. They're not even doing that. They probably I, just bought some like Trader Joe's pre-made dough. It was don't you think? so hard to watch. It, it was actually painful for me. It was actually painful was to watch. Really I, I, everything is in all caps he for was, this section of my <laughs> of my notes. He was really upset. <sighs> um, okay, point taken. We respect you and your anger about that. They talked to their respective friends. I honestly was impressed by Lindsay's behavior at this whole thing, and I thought she did really good with his friends, and I feel like they really liked her. She has a, a way, like when she's not drunk or drinking – and she's really making a concerted effort. She has a really charming, like, what feels authentic vibe that I think, like, disarms people and makes them feel comfortable. And she's always, like, yeah, she did good. And then he gets with her friends and he, his eyes are just really wide. And he's like, so Anytime he I, gets like, inquisitive, his eyes get, so, so what do I need to do? And his eyes just start bulging. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> he basically says, how do I reel her in? And like, I thought her friends were really, really sweet, but like their advice was kind of like, you just need to talk about it in advance. You need to keep communicating. You need to tell her when her behavior upsets you. And I feel like he's sitting there like, y'all, I've been trying this like every other day. It's not working. So now we have. To fast forward to the group event, the bowling. Um, oh, okay. We have to talk about a few things. First being, Mark had never eaten a taco I, until two days ago. And what I... What the hell? You want to talk about being upset about the dough mishandling? I am upset that you are a person... That has consciously chosen to not try tacos your entire adult life. Like, what is wrong with you? I mean, it's like we know Boston isn't a hub of really high quality, like of like Mexican sure, it's food. Not like, like getting it in California. Yeah, I mean, we live in California, Los Angeles. Like, 
you're getting the best of the best. But how have you gone 38 years of your no. life never coming across a taco? A fast food taco. They have Taco Bell there. Exactly. Which is like its own food group, like their version. But it's still, it's like you haven't even done that, Mr. Goldfish, at night in bed. Like he, I think he might take the whole like kindergarten palette thing to like the next level. But I was at least relieved that he enjoyed the taco. Yeah, that was so just That's bizarre. important. Then, uh, then. So we're having like group-wide discussion, right? Like everyone's like, so how has living together been for you and for you and for you? And someone, I can't remember who, brings up like being pleasantly surprised that the toilet seat isn't up all the time. And then we get... Houston, we have fecal plume part two. We ba- you basically ha- you were pre- last week was a premonition. I called it. I feel so vindicated. But how insane is it that the person to fight for the concept of fecal plume, also known by Lindsay as poo spray, is the very one who was upsetting you last week because of fecal plume and her waving around. The squatty potty. She knows that poo dust gets everywhere in the bathroom. <laughs> she knows it. She was the one talking about it. And yet she's grabbing the squatty potty with their bare hands and waving it around. And she's the one who has poo dust knowledge. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Poo dust. I, I, I was like, are you kidding me? So, okay. Oh. Then we get into, like, I think it might have been Steve. Like, I don't really get why it's a big deal. And then Lindsay starts being like, hygiene. Like, it's it's the hygiene of it all, you know? And then starts to explain in her very intense way the idea of poop spray and or fecal plume, as Tim prefers to call it. (laughs) And it's just weird because you feel the whole group be not amused. I mean, this is the kind of thing, if I was present, I would have been cracking up, I think. But the way that everyone was being, like, no one was giving her any laughs. No one was amused at all. And it told me there's a lot we haven't seen that's led up to this moment. And then what what happens after, you're like, oh, so she was drunk long before that. And people had already been freaking irritated with her it's not the topic of conversation it's her personality and what she was doing leading up to this right so like yeah everyone's like not amused by your you know toilet seat your toilet talk but you you know she was cutting people off she was interrupting people and it was already like oh here we go again yeah you know yeah yeah she's laughing at Alyssa, talking about like crying, oh, you know, God, about. Right. So she's rolling her eyes at Alyssa when Alyssa takes her moment to feel bad for herself. Then we get to, so Jasmina is talking about, they're, they're trading off, talking about their time with Pastor Cal. Jasmina talks about how Pastor Cal ripped them a new asshole, but it was really good for them. And how much they've learned about dealing with conflict together ever since. And then Lindsay decides she wants to contribute. And she's like, you know, there. what's that quote that someone said? You can't have true intimacy until you have conflict first. 
And then she kind of goes on a little spiel about that and why that makes sense to her. Katina is rolling her eyes at her. Lindsay catches it and says, why are you rolling your eyes at me, Katina? And then Katina gets super sassy. And it, I mean, we've known Katina has no patience. She's She's been frank since the honeymoon. We're not going to be best friends. I will do my best to be cordial with you. But like, you're too much for me, period. And it's like, you can have an opinion about that, but there is something to respect about how direct she's been about it. Like, this isn't going to change. Don't kiss my ass. Like, just stay away from me. And anyways, she's like, you know what? She says something like, I mean, she's definitely being a little mean girly. She's being a little sassy and is basically like, you don't talk to me. Like, look the other way. Don't worry about what I'm doing. And that pisses Lindsay off. And that leads to a talk. So I just want to say, I don't want to stay here for too long, this exact moment, because the big stuff is right after this. I do think that, like, Katina was being kind of a mean girl in that moment. But once we got even more context in After Party, where Chris was talking about, like, how unsurprised he was when shit went here, like, he basically paints a picture. I think this entire cast is exhausted by Lindsay and her unpredictability. And so now when Lindsay tries to like say something inspiring or add some insight, everyone's just like, no, we don't have time for you. Especially if we just watched you down three drinks before you're talking right now. And if you're talking over. Because you've become an alcoholic nightmare to all of us. And if you're talking over and interrupting people all the time, we just don't have the patience for you anymore. Right. You know, like it's big personality or not. If you act like an ass, like, we're going to be annoyed. Yeah. Sorry. We're going to roll our eyes at you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's to that point where a lot of the people in the group just don't like her anymore and they don't want to deal with her shit. And I think that we really are only even seeing a sliver of it. And that's making Mark more and more and more uncomfortable and frustrated. he can feel that. He can feel that. And he could already feel... When she said, like, her first thing about poop spray, he was already on edge and, like, tense because he can tell that everybody's annoyed with her. So then he, like, makes a point to walk up to her after the big group stuff is over. He's upset, and he basically says, like, I wish that you could have just kept your mouth shut with Katina. Like, why why did you have to? Because he just sees her at this point. It's all cumulative. Every time Lindsay, whether she's in the right or the wrong, now it's just like, Lindsay, prove to me that you can be vaguely provoked or have someone maybe not be like in love with you or excited about you or whatever, and that you can just let it lie. Like, one dinner in Puerto Rico where you keep your mouth shut. Right, one. It does not. A trophy. Is not, yeah, you don't. We're not handing out awards here for this. So in his mind, he's like, you don't have a good track record of being able to just let the thing lie. Like, don't give in to every tiny provocation, like an eye roll. Okay, ignore it. But you had to speak it out to the whole group. And he sees, like, Lindsay sees that as being direct. I want to deal with the problem. And he's like, choose your battles. Like, was that really a moment for that? And so that starts just a complete downward spiral. 
That's when we get the horrific quotes that we've been seeing in previews for weeks now. I think he just really saw that as another opportunity for you to show me that you can bite your tongue when it's necessary. And especially just because it's important to me. And she sees it as, oh, so someone was mean to me and you wish that I just closed my mouth. You don't have my back. You don't want to like, you know, she sees it as like, you're choosing the other team over and over again. So that completely spirals her out. She starts throwing things over his head now. Now we have a triggered Lindsay on our hands, which no one wants to be around. spirals real quick. Because she could say literally the worst things imaginable at any moment. So she she storms away. She goes into the, the bowling room bathrooms. And she's got producers checking on her. She's losing her shit. You can hear her talking from her mic outside of the bathroom. And... She is just coming for him. She says some way. of like the most vile. She comes for things. his in his shitty sixty grand a year income. She comes for his job, like the fact that selling gym memberships is beneath her. She, oh my god, oh my god. She says, "I hate my husband. He's a pathetic loser." She says, "The least you can do is make me come. All I need is an orgasm." Oh my God. Like at this point, you're literally coming for every ounce of his being and masculinity. She says he has small balls. Oh my God. That's right. Just so So she's like, my husband's not a man. Let me, I need to teach you how to be a badass bitch. Like just, I mean, it's, I mean, and it's, it's the most obvious it's been this whole scene that she's wasted. Yeah. Right. Like it's like once you're not looking at her and what, like what, just hearing it, you're like, oh, this is a freaking wasted person who thinks that they're that who's on a heater, you know, and we're not even acknowledging the fact that in front of everyone. So this fight that started, right, he tries to have a private conversation. I'm frustrated with you. Why couldn't you let that go? She turns it into you don't have my back. Wow, blah, 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 blah. Once and then, you lose me, you've lost me forever, yeah, all that when, bullshit. Yeah. And then she, in a way that everyone can hear, goes, so he starts to walk away. And she's like, oh, go call your mom. See if she lets you in. So low. So low. Like, are you kidding me? And now I understand why he said have another drink. Because everyone was done with drunk Lindsay by this point in this specific night. It wasn't like he just pulled that out of his ass. She was already drunk and everybody knew it. And everybody was nervous. And that's all before we hear her in the bathroom say all of these wretched things. And meanwhile, he's outside the bowling alley with Chris, which like, bless this little duo. And Chris is being like really sweet and there for him. And he just says to Chris, like, I can't do this. I can't fall in love with this. I don't have room to fall in love with her because every other second there's another thing exploding. And then it gets to the point where they literally can hear her screaming in the bathroom from outside the bowling alley. And he's like, oh yeah, that's her. This is just so bad. And this is the part that like confuses me the absolute most is that they're kissing 
and enjoying a meal together in the preview for next week. They're riding go-karts together. I'm I'm out on Lindsay. Lindsay's yeah. incorrigible. No. She is. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I'm done with her. Uh, I'm not. I'm, There's not. She's not going to be transformed. No. In the next four weeks, like. Well, that's not even not what this show person. is. Like, yeah, I mean. Well, the point is, like, are we going to see that she is capable of working on some shit? Even if she can, like, fake it for the next six weeks. She's not. No, she's it's incapable. not. She no, she's not. I mean, it's not. I would. I need to get some, like. It's so funny how when you watch this show, you just take the people who, who are on it, their uh their side and their perspective of their past relationships leading up to this them getting married. Right. This is one that I'm all like you have to go off of. Yeah, it's all you go off of. This is one where I'm like, I'm dying to know the perspective of all of these quote losers that she has dated and all these horrible guys right. that she's dated totally. in the past. Because yeah. this behavior is well, and if I this mean, is what you if I'm this running is out way, of superlatives. If this is the way that you can talk about someone like Mark, who has he, he's not a perfect guy, his life isn't perfect, but he's a kind ass man. Like he is kind and he has continued to show you care. And like if anything, he withholds words a lot to not hurt you. And you can say that kind of shit about him then like who knows like you're saying about all these other guys that she just like off the cuff flippantly they're all assholes they're all pieces of shit they're all you know it's like hmm who's the common denominator in that storyline but another interesting addition to this before we close this toxic situation out Keisha asked everyone like what their opinions were they watched playback of some of this which is brutal and she asks chris and chris just straight up says he's at by this point at the bowling alley there was nothing that could have surprised him anymore because it had happened too many times since they had all met and then he says he tended to be the one who got the first phone call from both of them whenever shit would go down and that it was always toxic which, like, ew, would have hated to be Chris. Um, and I think, to me, that just told me, oh, all the times we've seen shit go awry on camera, it's happened at least double. At least. Yeah. And everybody knows about it. I mean, think about it. We've gotten these little detail drops. Like, they they meet up on the roof. They hang out at night. They They're all checking in and hanging out a lot. So... I think that there's way more shit that has happened that we haven't seen. And I think alcohol fuels a lot of it. But bottom line, like she doesn't know how to take feedback. And the second that she feels insecure or vulnerable, she's just too risky of a person to be with. She's not safe because at any minute that you upset her, she could completely turn on you and use all of your vulnerabilities, your weaknesses against you. And she has no qualms about doing that in public. On television? About, on television. On a hot mic? Literally. Just like It's bad. like, oh, well, then why would I, like, why would I keep, pr- like, trying to trust you if you're going to throw this kind of shit in my face and smear it around every time that you feel insecure? It's so unsafe and unfair. And, like, obvious, like, Katina does a good job of, in after party, not just, like, 
coming for Lindsay yeah. in the way that we all know she wants to. It but definitely brings more context to the whole eye roll thing. Yeah, you know, because like does. you said, I was a little perturbed. I was yeah. like, why do we need to be like? I know Lindsay has her issues, but also Katina, can you not like get involved well, yeah. in this way? Like, but now yeah, hearing everything and hearing Chris say like nothing would have surprised me at this point. I was like, oh, okay. It just gives you so much more context. Like the, the, everybody. There's was a done lot with happening it. off camera. Yeah. And Lindsay's not doing herself any favors there either. Yeah. And Katina does make a good point that like every time something like this happens, especially when you throw alcohol into the mix, it just gets harder and harder to recover. Yeah. And like uh, something that I know a lot of people have been saying is like she tore down every aspect of who he was and is in that bathroom for national television that I don't know how you come back from that. I don't know. Sushi and go-karting, I guess, is the way to. Well, he doesn't know all of it yet. I mean, how brutal must have that been for him to watch back? Oof. Yeah. Okay. Who are we moving on to? Uh, let's go to Katina and Olajuwon. Okay. So, first we start with Olajuwon meets up with his friend who's married and who he calls like a mentor. I mean, I definitely be, it became clear to me with the sex stuff in this episode that this is more him thing as it continues. Yeah. And that she's not stoked about it. And that he, I get the vibe that he is so petrified. He, he's scared that if he has sex with Katina, he's going to turn into the old version of himself that he doesn't want to be. Yeah. That it's like the thing that he, yeah, you said it exactly. Even though it's like, dude, just wait, have sex with her. Now that you love her, it's going to be so much better than what old version of you was experiencing. But I can see that he has this disconnect right now and all he, he's just terrified. Um, but he'll get over that. What do we make of Katina going to the grocery store for two hours and only coming home <laughs> with water and bread? Um, it's concerning because it doesn't quite make sense. But I also don't know if I fully believe him. Like, is he exaggerating? I don't know. I just imagine her doing laps in, in the grocery store and <laughs> right, just like being she's like, never been. Ah, guess we'll settle for that arrowhead water and a couple loaves of ciabatta. <laughs> his friend, though, I really appreciated his friend's advice. Yeah. His friend is like, stop. Stop overthinking it. Yeah. You are going to be the demise. You are the cause of your own stress. You expect too much of other people. You need to chill out. And I felt like Elijah Wan really received that. So overall, I was like, satisfied with this friend made up yeah no i thought it was good um one i guess big theme from this and we'll get into the details katina's bugging with how much she is defending olajuwon and i just don't think it's necessary and i don't quite understand it yeah it's like she has this perception that to be a supportive wife you can't like you have to think your husband can do no wrong and it's like no that's not the case and that's also a recipe for you being like you know in the future a future version of yourself feeling trapped resentful and like all of the things it's like you're trying to act like what's there isn't there and it's like 
Look, Elijah one, I think is surprising everyone week to week. And we even got more elaboration on that in the after show. Like Steve talked about how like you meet Elijah one, you think you know exactly who you're going to get, which is this kind of douchey bro who is just all about tits and ass or something and partying. And then you really quickly find out if you just have a conversation with him that like he can be really genuine and sweet and he he won't peer pressure you to be like him and he won't, you know, and I feel like that's a common theme, especially amongst the guys. So I just feel like, why are you so obsessed with like making sure he's portrayed as perfect? Well, in exploring these things with your friends and family, like it's that's going it. to help your marriage. Yeah. Because in this stage of uh, this honeymoon stage, like you're only seeing the positive. So yeah. you need to be able, like you need to get challenged on some things and examine areas that your relationship could get better. And it's almost like she's shutting down. I mean, don't get me wrong. The friends are coming in with like, yeah, we do have concerns because we can't get a word in edgewise when we met with him. Yeah. And it was almost like he was talking so that he wouldn't have to answer questions. Right. Which I love her friends. They're very insightful. They Exactly. But I'm like, you don't need to, they're Just here listen. to help you. Like they're here to help you yeah. out. Like it's not, I don't know, it was just really bothering it, it from the housewarming to meeting with the friends individually to all these different things. It's like, she's she very defensive of him. Yeah. She's very defensive and protective and can't quite, like, it's like she doesn't feel comfortable just being like, yeah, he can come off like that, but I promise you there's more there. Dubba, 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 da. You know? Um, I LOL'd. I mean, I got to say, I just loved this friend that she was meeting with individually at first. Like, this friend is exactly what we would be thinking. She's like, okay, we need to talk about a few things. First off, the garter situation, like <laughs> getting a lap dance in front of your family when you're meeting him for the first time. Can we talk about that? I was like, yes, which Katina wasn't really having it. She was like, I know it was kind of a lot, but I liked it, but it was kind of a lot, but I liked it. I'm like, okay, Katina, chill. And then she brings up that wretched breakfast the mm -hmm. next day and that she was, yeah, like you said, very concerned because it seemed like nobody else could get a word in edgewise. They didn't really, they were having trouble following him and it felt like he was just trying to fill the space so that he didn't have to answer any difficult questions. And I thought it was funny that Katina says she learned at the sweetheart table at the wedding that she'd never need to worry about what to talk about because he'll always have words. I was like, what an interesting take on what a lot of people would find to be a red flag. <laughs> um, and the friend's like, oh, yeah, he wouldn't shut the fuck up at breakfast. So I get what you're saying. But they just have complete. It's like. Katina is looking at him and all of these things through the rose-colored glasses, like you were saying. Um, then he, the friend expresses concern, which I do not recall this information. This wasn't shown to us before. Okay, that she, that Katina is the first black girl he's ever been in a relationship with. And this clearly really worried the friends. And Katina's first response to this is, well, you have to remember he's half Irish. And I'm like, what? And the friend's like, no, he's, he's black. black. <laughs> like, 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 
<laughs> he is seen as black. Yes. Stop it. Yeah. So, like, she's really grasping at straws to defend him at every corner. And I, I mean, I see why that would be a concern. Because, you know, I think that that can be an issue. I mean, we're white people, so we really have no authority to speak on this. But from what I have gleaned, like hearing that a black man has never dated a black woman woman before can feel like a red flag. Like, oh, do you fetishize white women? Why are black women not enough for you? Like what we're not like you're black, too. Like what you're using the Eurocentric standard for yourself. Like, I get that it can be very complicated and concerning. I get it. But Katina is not having it. And clearly her bestie straight up, the other bestie, hated him. Like, hated his guts. I want to see the guy come back. Oh, Where's he the wasn't dude? even invited. There's clearly. no way. Yeah. one was like, no, he's not coming over my house warming. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, I think that overall the housewarming is fine. Yeah, it was fine. I didn't. It wasn't it was really eventful. Like shallow. Like, I don't know. Her I friends just like came in like really skeptical of him, but then I feel like when they talked to him one on one, they were, and like they're just seeing Katina is like ride or die at this point. So they're like, okay, as long as he's treating you nicely in the day to day. They basically tell they get Elijah one alone though, and they tell him stop putting pressure on the cooking because she's trying really, really, really hard in this relationship. And really, really cares about what you think about her. So, like, chill. And then, oh, the other thing that stood out to me is his rationalization of how and why people think he's an asshole when they first meet him. And then they get to know him and they just get to know, like, that's just who I am. You know, it's just who I am. And I was like, Elege, this is not a good... This is not, like, you are not stating your case, like, in a good (laughs) way. Like, wait. So people just learn that you're not just an asshole and this is just who you are. Like, this is not, no. No, 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 We're not explaining this correctly. You're not helping yourself. And then I did think that, like, was I misinterpreting this? She was talking to his bestie, who we had already seen him meet up with. Mm -hmm. And... Again, I feel like she's not being fully herself with him. I feel like she's still in, like, performative wife mode right now at this stage in the game. I I mean, she's made it clear that, like, it's a lot to be with someone on a 1,000 all the time. Mm -hmm. And that she's not happy about the sex stuff at this point. But I still feel like, in general, like, I'm like, are you telling him that behind closed doors? Like, are you... I just feel like she's too worried about keeping him into her at this point that she's not maybe being her full honest self. Anyways, she's I don't feel like the time with the friend is that insightful. But then he he brings up like conflict and like, doesn't he say some stuff like he could be he could seem really aggressive, right? Like just pops off. But then like you realize he's not. Mm. And she was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm like, did I? I mean, like, I don't know. Did Is I just that not that alarm? Wrong, yeah, I, it I don't. Like, why are we just like, that would not make me feel good. We Next week, it seems like we're getting some conflict here. With them. I, with them. I need some conflict. Like, yeah, I, I'm I rooting for them. Yeah, I like they're both being real. I'm rooting for them. Don't get me wrong. Yes. And I'm not like rooting for conflict for conflict's sake. I'm no. rooting for conflict 
Because I need to get, yeah, like you said, I need something real here. What's going on? Everything is the rose-colored glasses. Everything is I'm defending my husband 100%. Yeah. You know, I don't need someone to like totally wrong someone in an no. unmistakable way. But, but like, we, let's like, hash what's some going shit out. on here? Like, yeah. let's let's go back and forth a little bit. Let's yeah. get some tension because right now it's just- that's the only just, way that you guys are going to get closer. That's what I'm saying. And more comfy being your authentic self, especially when the camera's late. That's why I made the comment about like, I felt like the whole housewarming just was kind of like shallow and boring and like, yeah. I'm not really getting anything here. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But compared to other couples- they're kind of doing really good. Yeah, they are. Maybe the power of rankings will reflect something like that. <laughs> well, and speaking will of good couples, I do feel like Michael and Jasmina have made some prog. Definitely. Like, Definitely. They, based, they really took what Pastor Cal said to heart of, like, let's start fresh and let's leave the past in the past. And... Jasmina and this friend? I was dead! That was great. I they were great. I love this friend. She was just clapping back at everything. Yeah, but in, okay. In a perfect way. This friend is my style yeah. of, of like diplomatic confrontation that's coming from like a loving place. Her friend knows how to perf, like to say what needs to be said, but keep it light. Don't like lay it on too thick. Like, I just thought the whole thing was great. I loved the. I mean, there was a few nuggets. She said something about, oh, Michael, talk, when Michael talks to me in this tone, and the friend's like, you don't like any type of tone. Her, her <laughs> friend goes, oh, no, you don't like any tone. And she's yeah. like, exactly. Her friend's like, girl, like, I mean, you think everything is a tone. And then when she says, uh, the, he goes, she says, the problem is that when he thinks he's right, he thinks he's right. And the friend goes, that sounds like you. And yeah. Jasmine was like, oh. She made a stinky face. She was not excited about that, but she also knew she was right. And then something that I really loved that her friend said, gave some really good advice. and was because So she's engaged. She's clearly happy in her relationship. She says, you don't get better at communicating without communicating. More conflicts will arise. That is a part of being in a relationship with someone. And every time that you do it again, you learn more about each other. You learn how to communicate better. You learn each other's styles. I loved that because like hearkening back to the stupid non-fight that was a fight the first time they had one when he was like, well, look, conflict's always going to arise. And she was like, I don't think so. Not necessarily. And you're like, Jasmina. Like, what planet are you on? I thought it was kind of great that her friend unknowingly did, like, a callback of their yeah. first fight. And that's just the truth. I think Jasmina can get a little caught up in her feelings and her pride. And then she thinks then she thinks she's entitled to, like, ice. And what she doesn't realize is that in doing that, in trying to punish him for upsetting her, she's hurting herself, too. Because there's, like, a cavern of distance growing between them in that time. And her friend's like, get over yourself. And have the hard conversations. You're not right all the time. Yeah. And then he meets up with his sister. And his sister is a dream as well. And she's reminding him, like, look, you're just a guy to her. She didn't know you two weeks ago. She doesn't know. Like, she's a strong woman who has probably had a history of, like, when she sees red flags, she throws up the walls. And, you know, obviously normal life affords you more time. And she's like, I can take care of myself. Yeah. 
And so she just did a good job, I think, of reminding Michael, like, the human place Jasmina could be, could be coming from and that he needs to not take for granted that, like, people should just know that he's a good person. Like, Jasmina is going off of 10 days of information. Yeah. And, like, who knows what she's been through. You have no idea, like, what you're triggering in her. And I thought that he, like, took that really well. And he just, sis was just, like, build trust and be patient with her. So I loved all of that. I loved both of their one-on-ones. And then... The housewarming was good. Yeah. It was good. I, 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 you got to see, I like, just wish that he had more people there. Yeah. I wanted to see some... I wanted to see his friends. Where's Because ye? I remember liking... Yay. Yeah. Where's Yay? Yeah. And I wanted... I wanted there to be, like, an equal amount of people to interact with one another. Because even that can make a partner, like... Like, like you more. Well, and I think that, I think that she needs some non-sister perspective on him. Yeah. Yeah. Because all she's getting, all she's been getting is sister stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm petitioning. Let's bring back Yay. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of a bummer. I also am confused because they play charades, but it appears that they're not pulling anything out of any hats or cups. And the only people that have to do the charades are Michael and Jasmina while everyone else sits and is performed for. Also the charade acting out was a little bizarre. It was like, wave your arms in the air and someone's like a skydiver. And they're like, you got it. Like it was just it like, you know how when you play charades, like exactly. You know when you play charades with kids and, and they, they start acting things out and you just get in, you, you're guessing and they go, yeah, like it takes them a sec to think. And they're yeah. like, yeah, I guess that was what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of what this seemed like. Yeah, it, was it just, just seems staged. I was like, this doesn't feel like an organic gameplay. Yeah. But, but it was Michael's also cute personality to just watch was, them be silly. Yeah, their personalities coming out. They're competitive. Yeah. I just feel like this is the first time that I have watched a whole episode of them as a couple where like they were mostly smiling at each other. And it was really nice. Um, They do a little bit of one-on-one talk. And I just thought that it was cool that one of her friends told Michael, look, even if she's icy, don't default to just giving her space and time. Like, don't do it. It's going to, like, grow you guys further apart. Communicate. Ask what triggered her. And then work from there. Like, do a reverse engineer, like be like, okay, wait, what was the first thing? And she admits that things do build with Jasmina over time, what for better or for worse. So like, he's got to catch it. He can't just let it go. Cause who knows what the hell she's making in her mind. Yeah. But sister loves them as a unit and loves that Jasmina, like doesn't make everything easy for him, <laughs> which I find kind of funny and endearing. I think because deep down she believes that he can handle it and yeah. that Jasmina, that kind of shenanigan aside with maybe how she deals with being upset, you know, she's like an amazing woman that he would be lucky to have. So I liked both of their people, even though I wanted more. Okay. Last and definitely least. Oh, one, one quick thing before. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, at bowling. I loved their little side. And so Michael and Jasmina get interviewed on the side. And uh-huh. Jasmina says, we love Katina and Olajuwon. They're not funny, 
but they make each other laugh. <laughs> just thought that yeah, was hilarious. That was, that was cute. Okay, so no one told me that I had to watch Single at First Sight. Like for half of this, I did when I had to watch Alyssa like pensively putting on lipstick in the mirror. I was so fucking upset. Like I being somber about being single. I was like. No, 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 no. This is making me so angry and is obviously a part of the contract, but this is bullshit. I saw the tweets rolling in on Wednesday night and I was like, oh, hell no. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, here's the thing. There's not a ton here. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it. I just think a couple great quotes here. Chris's mom says, you got robbed and she got her 15 minutes of fame. Yes. Boom. Shots fired. Uh, another observation. Does every article of clothing that Alyssa have have stars on them? Yeah. I suddenly decided, like, I didn't. Yeah. She Do has we, basically the same jacket in another color. And I was like, nope, done. I don't like this um, jacket anymore. Alyssa meets with her friend. This was interesting. Very interesting. Um, everything that Alyssa says gets contradicted directly. By, directly by video. The editors and producers clearly do not like Alyssa and were like, oh, we're going to just show her for who she is because she showed her own ass. Own ass. Um, the first thing she talks about is how she says her friend said that, uh, Chris's friend said she would be second to his job. Video rolling, not what happened. Secondly, he didn't want to talk to her on the honeymoon, and it was a small resort, and she could have found him if she wanted to. Video. Sorry. He could have found her if she wanted to. Video. Chris walking around the hotel. Trying to Trying to to find her. I don't want to talk to him. Get get him away from me. Her eating a salad, hiding behind a palapa somewhere, trying to (laughs) send him away. Yeah, like multiple occasions. They were like, let's just, because this is what she's done ever since they've gotten back. It's been the campaign to try and convince everyone that wasn't there or didn't see everything that what I did is not what I did. But the footage is there, girl. So I just thought a few things that she said were rich. She said, at first glance, I wasn't attracted, which is hard, but I just kept trying to push through. I was like, when were you pushing? Never saw you push. Okay, when the friend goes, well, are you okay with your decision? Well, it wasn't my decision, you know? Oh my God. That killed me. Technicality. Technicality. Miss technicality. I cannot. Um, And then she literally has the audacity to say, well, because the friend goes, so he just wasn't putting in any effort then, huh? And she goes, no, I didn't see any effort at all. Cut to him, like, (laughs) saying, give me a morsel of anything. I need to know, what can I do? Oh, I'm sorry I didn't tell you how cool I think you are. Literally. Oh, my gosh. Constant. I thought it was very telling. So this is a friend that she rescues dogs with. And I just don't know. I don't trust any of Alyssa's friendships, to be honest, that they're what she's trying to make them out to be. Um, This is a work friend, is what I'm gathering. 
gathering. But I think it's so funny after the effort thing. So she's like, no, I didn't see any effort. And then her friend goes, okay, well, you know, I just wanted to make sure because like, I know there's been things, guys in the past where I've thought you're being too hard on them, Alyssa. And I was like, oh, there it is. She says, I wish I could have met him so I could have, you know, like formed my own impression. Right. (laughs) She's basically like, I don't trust you or believe you. Which coming from a friend who didn't even go to the wedding, like, fascinating. I think, like, I'm just dying for all of the friends to get on. She wasn't basic enough to to be at the wedding. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, one final thing here. Where the fuck has this I want a cowboy emerged? Give me I a have no break. idea. We have not heard anything cowboy related. I swear, if Alyssa goes to Nashville and tries to like get on the casting, I'd be so pissed. Not gonna no, happen. They won't, won't, they won't do it. Like, she's like, oh, I'm just gonna move to Texas and find my cowboy. Last week she talked about cowboys. What the hell's going on here? You know who she deserves is Ryan from Houston. Thank you. They're she made does. for each other. Go down to go down to Houston. See how it feels to, you know, be with a fellow be with a paper lump plate, of coal. a lump of coal. Who, I guess, whatever. Yeah. Just there's your cowboy. Yeah, they're made for each other. She should go find him. So this was an interesting week. We brought people's lives together. We feel we we for the first time post wedding, we're having friends meeting friends. We're trying to integrate lives more, and shit's getting more real. And yeah, overall, like you said, I found myself interestingly and rarely this happens, but kind of like disappointed and put off by a lot of the women for totally different reasons. I think the person I was least annoyed with was Jasmina. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's hear your rankings. Okay. Number four, I have four. Mark and Lindsay. Okay. You can't be anywhere but last when you're saying the things that came yeah, out of her absolutely. mouth in the ba- background. Number three, I have Jasmina and Michael. Hmm. Okay. Number two, Steve and Noy. Okay. Number one, Katina and Olajuwon. That makes sense for this week. I do think that... Steve and Noy are now like, you know, competing to drop further, like depending on what happens, but it is their first. Here's the thing. Uh, Everyone's in a new spot this week from where they were last week. uh, Spots have been shifted even slightly. Okay. Uh, Steve and Noy have a little too much. Steve and have too much built and Jasmine and Michael don't have enough built yet. I wanted to, I really wanted to put Jasmine and Michael too. I'm on a roll. I'm on a heater with these power rankings, baby. <laughs> you are. You are. You're doing you're doing really well. Okay, everyone. Well, we hope that you have as lovely as a weekend as you can, that you find some respite, some time to just be distracted, to have some fun, to chill and take care of yourself, whatever you need. Thank you so much for listening this week. Can't wait for next week. We have much more drama in store. I can tell. The preview was juicy. Yeah, it was. Juicy preview. Yeah, so we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.